Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. Good morning. Good morning. So glad to be here with you guys today. We've been in the middle of a series on Joseph. If you've been here with us, it has been a wild ride. It kind of reminds me of, you know, those news shows, the news dramas that um, 2020 or Dateline, and it's like you watch this whole thing and you're like, okay, they could have done that in about 15 minutes because they kept replaying it every time you came back from a commercial. Well, the life of Joseph would be a great one. And let me tell you, it wouldn't be like that. They would probably have to do two of them because there's so much that goes on, so much before his life ever came, the dysfunction that was there. He comes from a very dysfunctional family. Some of you might can relate with that today for sure. But we've learned so so far that he had 11 brothers. Oh my word. I don't even know anybody with 11 brothers. Do you? So their dysfunction was crazy. It was rough. It was loud. And Joseph was one of the babies. There was one that was a little bit younger than him. I'm the baby of the family. Anybody in here a baby of the family? We get a really bad rap, don't we? I always say the baby of the family gets the bad rap. But we also are given a lot of attention because not only do we have our parents, but we also have a lot of siblings. So Joseph was the pretty much the favorite of the family. And I think his self-esteem and all that went along with him. It just kind of gave him a little bit of a big head. And every time I read this story, I got to tell you, I cringe because I know he's going to get that coat out and I know what he's going to say to the brothers and they're going to be mad at him again and relive it. And he does. And he tells them about a dream that God's given him. And the dream is, and, and it's an allegory, it's, it's not really them bowing to him, but it's, it's the story. Uh, basically, that's what happened. And he tells them, hey, you guys, us little ones, we don't really have a lot of EQ and understand to read the room, right? So he didn't, and he tells them, guess what, you guys, one day I'm going to grow up and you guys are all going to bow down to me. Well, spoiler alert, it didn't go very well as you might imagine, And these brothers were really enraged, y'all. They were really, 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 really mad. So they come up with a plan to throw him down a well. And the crazy part of it is they don't leave him there because then they, I don't know that they really feel bad about it, but they just start thinking, oh, he'll die. What are we gonna tell dad? You know, this is gonna come back on us. So they say, okay, I see some slave trades coming. We're gonna go ahead and sell him. Oops, sorry, y'all. He'll, we'll sell him and he'll be gone. And we'll just tell dad that put some blood on the coat. Somebody ate him. We don't really know what all happened to him. And then we're gonna talk about today the rest of his life, what happens when his own family turned against him. And it's a little bit of a drama of a story. As I was thinking about Joseph and the well, I thought about Another story, and you guys may remember this, and back in 1987, there was a little girl named Jessica McClure that fell in a well. A lot of you shaking your head, you remember. I was thinking my kids probably don't even remember this story, but she became known to us as Baby Jessica, the world, the entire world. Her name was Baby Jessica. It was in Midland, Texas, and there was, it was just a freak accident up in West Texas, and they had a lot of wells that weren't covered, and it was, it was really an eight-inch pipe in the back of a yard that she stepped in and fell down 22 feet. And it took them 56 hours to get her out. And I'll go ahead and tell you the good news because they do get her out. 
And, but it was hard. It was really hard to get her out. They brought in all this machinery and the closer the machinery got to her, she started slipping down that shaft a little bit more. So they decide to drill another shaft parallel with hers and they figure, they're doing measuring tape and then really even think 1987, they didn't even have all the technology that they have today. So they're figuring out she's about 22 feet deep and how they're gonna get her out. And all these people came with all these great ideas, y'all. It was everybody across the world from Italy. They were saying, all these people were saying, here's how they could do it. So they, they drill down and it's, a, it's rock all around it, really, really hard rock. And they brought in some machinery that could do that. So they get down and they decide they wanna go below her because she keeps slipping down and they don't know when she's gonna hit the water. And then they decide they're gonna drill just right perpendicular below her and then they could catch her. So they think this is gonna, initially they're telling her mom who's singing down the well to her sweet baby. And a lot of the times she was screaming, crying. It's cold, it's wet, it's damp. She's all alone, it's dark. But then the worst would happen. She would stop crying. And then they would think, oh my goodness, is she okay? And then she would wake up like any toddler. She was taking a nap, huh? So they finally, they start drilling and like in two hours, they get this far in the rock. And the doctor on site is saying, okay, time's ticking. It's been 24 hours now and she's gonna start losing oxygen. Hypothermia is gonna set in. They're pumping heat down there for her and some oxygen the best that they could. They didn't really know what kind of position she was in. So they didn't wanna give her anything to drink or anything like that. So they do. So finally, this West Texas guy comes up with this great idea and he said they have a, a new thing that they're doing, it's called water jet cutting. I wanted to read it because I didn't wanna get it wrong. And he's saying, this will do it. It's loud, she's gonna hear a lot of it, it's loud, but the drilling's not quite the same and it'll cut, it'll cut through that rock. So they do. They, they get through, so now the, the tunnel's pretty small, so they're figuring who can get in, and they set him on his back, and he inched his way all the way back, stuck his hand up, and he touched baby Jessica. And he could only feel one foot. So then they figure her other leg is on top of her head. But guess what? They figured that's what saved her life. That's what kept her from going all the way down because she kind of got wedged a little bit in there and he pulls her and pulls and pulls till he gets her out. And all America watches. CNN was there, it was 24 seven. Everybody was watching because they didn't know how long it was gonna take on pins and needles to see if she comes out alive. And when that paramedic comes out carrying her, the world just erupts and they're so happy about this miracle that happened to our baby Jessica. And it was an exciting time for our world that everybody worked together Everybody was believing in one thing. Prayer groups were everywhere praying for this sweet little girl. And I wanna tell you, Jessica carries some scars from that time. Physical and emotional scars, a little bit of what happened to her afterwards. Her foot, because it was with the knot circulation, it never really grew to quite the size that it should have. So she says she was made fun of a lot on the playground. They called her the well dweller and People, these kids are kids, right? And made fun of her. But she says the amazing thing that happened is she knew it was a miracle from God. She knew. There's, there's just no way that she lived through all of that. And she says this hard, difficult time 
prepared her for the rest of her life. It gave her a heart for people. She ends up getting married. She has two children. She becomes a special education teacher. And her life's desire is to help people just like she was helped. She knows people risk their life because it was hard to breathe down there. There was, there was some, some rough stuff going on for people to give up their life, to go and save her. There's not a day that goes by that she doesn't remember to be thankful for that. The good thing is she really doesn't have a memory of it. You know, that's always comforting for us, isn't it? With our kids, when bad things happen, they're probably not gonna remember. She doesn't, but she does remember that God saved her life and made her who she is today. As we look at Joseph's life and we continue on about another story of somebody who was thrown in a well, and he will tell you as we look in scripture, the same thing that these things equipped him to be able to handle the trials and the difficult things that were ahead for him. And Joseph says a lot in scripture, I was never alone, God was with me. God gave me the ability to do the things that I needed to do to get out of the trial to the next one. I was a little bit more prepared for that. Over the past two weeks, Pastor Bill has taught us about Joseph's life. I really kind of feel like he's a friend. I'm gonna be sad when this series is over because I've poured so much time into reading his passage and it's very long in Genesis. It's one of the longest narratives about any character in Genesis. And it's a lot of ups and downs in his life for him. And I'm excited for us as we, I want you to kind of put on your thought now as you think about the struggles that he went through, I want you to think about a struggle that you're going through right now because here's the game at the end of today, when I'm done talking in just a few minutes here, that you are ready and equipped to think of something that God's gonna do for you to get you out of the trial, the struggle, the relationship. I'm not sure what it is in your life, but we all have something that we're struggling with, that we're working for. And I want God to speak to you, for you to know God is with you just like God was with Joseph. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 39, two through six. We're gonna read a little bit of the narrative or you can follow on the screens. And it says, the Lord was with Joseph. Remember that phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of, an Egypt, of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph. So his brothers sell him, right? And, they, and God was with him, so he sold up all people in the world to Potiphar. He could have been sold to people who would have been mean to him, but he wasn't. So think of that as we read this story. And he says, Joseph, was giving, Joseph realized that God was giving him success in everything he did. And this pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. And from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar, not just Joseph, but he began to bless Potiphar as well and his household for Joseph's sake. All of his household affairs ran smoothly. His crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about anything except what kind of food to eat. Well, that's a good problem, right? So things are looking up for Joseph. He's been through this horrible situation and at the end of the day, he finally gets chosen to be Potiphar's personal, personal attendant, which is a big deal. But notice in verse two, the Lord was pleased with Joseph so he succeeded in what he did. And he didn't succeed because Joseph came from the right family. He didn't succeed because he worked really hard. 
Joseph succeeded because God was with him. And I think sometimes we take that for granted. Sometimes we think, oh, I deserve this because I've done this, or I've worked really hard. God should give me this or bless me for this. But scripture doesn't really say this. Scripture says when God is with us, that's when actually the heavens open up and God's gonna bless us. It's a little bit convicting, isn't it too, when we look that everyone around Joseph knew that God was with him. And somehow I read that a couple of days ago. You know how you read a scripture? I've read it many, many times before. And when I read it, I thought, does everybody around me know that God is with me? Do they know when they see me in the grocery store that I'm extra patient or if I'm going, hurry up, I've been in this line. Do I always get in the wrong line? Do you guys? Price check on aisle four, that's me, I'm behind them. Um, And sometimes we, maybe our attitudes and maybe the things that we say don't reflect God. But Joseph, somehow, even in the midst, he was in horrible situations, something none of us would have actually probably been through. But he still had the demeanor. He had, oh, just the heart to show people that God was with him and God loved them. I think sometimes we confuse God's blessings and God's successfulness with God's favor and that he's with us, but not always. As we look at Joseph's life, God was with him even when he was going through some really difficult things. So sometimes I think we need to be reminded of that just because we're going through a difficult thing, God has not left us. God's always with us. Once you've asked Jesus to come into your life, the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you and is there 100% of the time. Um, Ephesians talk about we're sealed till the day of redemption. God's not gonna leave us. There's nothing we could ever do that God would leave us and walk away from us. So when we're in a difficult time, it's not that God has left us. Maybe it's like Joseph and God is allowing this struggle for our life because he's trying to teach us something. We do that with our kids, right? Sometimes we let them suffer. Sometimes we let things be a little bit hard. Sometimes we bail them when we shouldn't. I'm guilty of that. But we want them to learn, just as God wants us to learn, to be ready for the next task. So even though Joseph was going through a really rough time, God was preparing him, saying, I'm gonna have to rub off some of the edges of you, Joseph. You're gonna have to learn how to be tough. You're gonna have to learn how to walk the line when temptation comes. I want you to be ready for the next task. But as often happens in my life and yours, things are going so great. Joseph's love and life, and then the next trial or difficulty comes. Potiphar's wife, his boss's wife, tries to seduce him. And he's at the house all the time. She's chasing him all the time. He's turning her away. He's so thankful for his boss who has given him this great life and trusted him with so many things and she's chasing him. And one day she grabs his coat and he just takes the coat off and runs. She's so mad. Nobody turns her away. So she keeps the cloak, the scripture says, and she goes to her husband Potiphar and she says, this man who you love so much, he's tried to rape me and I kept his coat. And guess what? Potiphar believes her over Joseph, which is really disappointing for Joseph. And he's thrown into jail. Don't you know Joseph sat on that cell? It's cold, dark. 
thinking, what did I do to deserve this? I was doing the right things. I was living a man of integrity and character. You know, I, I turned away and now this bad thing happened. How did this happen to me? So as he sat in that jail, an interesting thing happened and God blessed him being able to interpret the dreams of a couple of guys who worked for the king in the cell. One of them was bad. He actually ends up getting put to death. But the guy who lives tells Joseph, he was the cupbearer to the king, and he tells Joseph, I will remember you. I'm going to get you out of here. (gasps) Don't you know? Joseph's so excited. He's ready to go. As soon as he gets out and tells the king, I'm going to be free. And he forgets him. Actually, scripture says he did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So Joseph was betrayed. He's left alone again. So Joseph waited on God. There's a lot of waiting. Sometimes when we read a narrative like this, you know, we can read this whole thing in about 15 minutes and it seems like it happened really fast, but it was a long time. And there was a lot of waiting in Joseph's life. As you look at the narrative, it says sometime later, a great time later, This specific one, it says two years later. So he was in that prison for two years. And two years later, it says the king had some troubling dreams. He can't figure them out. He's not sleeping. He's distressed. And the cupbearer remembers Joseph's gift that he could interpret these dreams. So he's like, oh man, I forgot about this guy in prison. Hey, he can interpret your dream. So the king says, go get him. So he does, and Joseph predicted from his dream that there would be seven years of bountiful harvest followed by seven years of famine in Egypt. So he tells him, hey, right now things are gonna be really great for seven years, but you need to be wise. You need to store up some of this because then there's gonna be seven years of nothing and all the people of Egypt are gonna starve. And the king believed him. And he said, all right, let's start storing it up. And they did. Let's look at this in Genesis 41, kind of the end of the story, 38 through 40. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously obviously filled with the spirit of God. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on the throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Wow. Here's another ups and downs, right? His life continues to move, move in all these up, down, sideways, crazy directions. And Joseph continues to be faithful. He continues to be strong and God continues to bless him. So I'm thinking about this in my life and yours. It sure is easy when things are going great to trust God and to follow him and want to read our Bibles and want to come to church and and do all the things that are easy for us. But when things are are bad, that's when sometimes we can turn on God a little bit. Maybe Maybe you were cheated to, maybe you were lied to, maybe you were forgotten like Joseph. Maybe somebody lied about you, meant to harm you. What is your reaction to that? Does your reaction honor God? Does your reaction look like their reaction. That's the hard thing for us. But we do know because the Holy Spirit is living within us, he can enable us to do the things that we can't do on our own. He enables us to conquer the Goliath before us, whatever that might be, to come out on the other side. 
honoring God. One thing that Joseph was able to do as we look at this narrative is he was able to see God was in it from the very beginning. And I think that's pivotal for us. When we see something bad happening to us to not say, God, you've left me, but God, you're in it. What can I learn from this? Joseph knew that God had big plans for his life. He just didn't know when it was gonna happen. Jeremiah 33, 11 and 12 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Joseph had a good grasp on that. Although he was innocent of wrongdoing, and when he finally came through his horrific sufferings, he was able to see God's plan in it all. I always say 2020, the older I get, do you guys see this? You, you can look back and go, oh yeah, I see that probably wasn't gonna be the best thing. That thing I was really praying for God for, that place I wanted to go, that job I wanted to get. Oh my word, thank you God for God not giving me that because it would have been a disaster in my life. I really hope and pray that we're able to see God's plan in our life. It's gonna be the difference of you having a positive life, you growing close to the Lord. It's really one of the most difficult things to do because we always are more worried about ourselves than seeing what God has and what's best for God, what's best for God's glory, what's best for heaven's sake. We need to open up our perspective just a little bit as Joseph did. There's three lessons from Joseph I wanna talk about today as we close. God uses our trials to strengthen us. First Peter 4, 12 and 13 says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials. Make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all of the world. Let me say that part to you because I thought this was really good. Instead, be very glad for the trials because they make you partners with Christ. I haven't done that really good, you guys. Have you been grateful for the trials that come into our lives? Oh, thank you, God, for this financial burden. It's making me more like you. Or thank you, God, for this sickness. It's making me more like you. Or thank you, God, that you have put me in this relationship, that you're honing me to be more like you and maybe people will see your goodness at the end of it. Let's remind ourselves and each other of that this week. So when you're going through a trial or your friend or your spouse who's ever here with you is going through a trial, let's say, hey, be glad. You might get hit, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> but hey, remember what we talked about this weekend, we can be glad in the situations because we know God is using it for good in our lives. And just maybe for a hot minute, you'll let go of the resentment and the bitterness and the hurt and say, okay, God, Jesus died on the cross for me. He suffered so much. I can suffer whatever it is on this side of heaven for you. All right, number two, God uses our faithfulness to elevate us. Matthew 25, 21 says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I give you more responsibilities. Isn't it interesting that Joseph's faithfulness day in, day out, good times, bad times is what continued to elevate him. To be faithful means to be devoted, dedicated, trustworthy, reliable, to be full of faith in God, 
It doesn't say, do this when things are going great or do this when you have the energy to do this. It says no matter what. If you're depressed in your bed, you're so tired and you don't even think you can get up, you think this thing might take you out. It is so bad. No, you remember what God says. He's, he says he's with you. You are not alone for one second. Maybe everybody else has left you, but God is not. And he's gonna do something mighty and great through the difficulty that you are going through. All right, number three, God uses our situations for his purposes. So it's kind of like we always say, it's not all about me. Sometimes on this earth, we think it's all about me. How does this affect me? How is this gonna affect um, whatever's happening with my 401k, whatever it is that you might be thinking about. It's not all about us. And he's gonna use our situations for his purposes to extend the kingdom, to bring other people to him. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Sometimes I think we forget about the sovereignty of God. Sometimes we forget in the end, God wins. In the end, nothing's gonna happen on this side of heaven that has not gone through his fingers and that he has equipped for it to happen. Nobody can thwart God's plan. Satan can't. The person who's against you, I don't care who it is. Nobody can stop the sovereignty of God. I looked it up saying, what does sovereign actually mean? And it said this, one of my professors, I, I read when I was in seminary, said this, and it always stuck with me. And he said, nothing can successfully stop God from the purpose that he is going to bring about. And if God intends for something to happen, it's going to happen with or without you, right? So let's just get on the train and say, God, I wanna be where you're going. Point me in the direction. Help me understand which job to take. Help me understand what school should I go to. Help me understand what friends I should hang out with. It's a tough one for you guys in high school, college, isn't it? Because the people you spend the most time with really dictate the most about you. I have a friend who is so positive and uplifting. When I'm with her, I feel like a different person. I want to be with her. I have another friend who's negative and the world is always crashing around her and I don't know how these bad things happen to her. We, we laugh about it. Um, I always tell her, now I'm saying, you're kind of like Joseph. God has big plans ahead. So we want to be people who people want to be around. We want to be people who are earth changers, who when we walk into a room that they'll say, oh, I see God. I didn't know what I was seeing, but I was seeing somebody who's positive, who loves others, who puts her needs, his needs aside as he sees what's ahead for them. So application time, what are you going through? You probably already have something at the top of your head and maybe nobody else even knows about it. Maybe God's been laying something on your heart he wants you to do and you've been really afraid to do it. Believe that God has allowed this trial or this opportunity in your life because he wants to take you somewhere you haven't been yet. That's a little scary, isn't it? It's really scary when we put ourselves out. We kind of like the normal. We like being in something comfortable. 
But God is saying, I have something new for you. When we look at all the positions that Joseph had from dreamer to slave, to he was Potiphar's personal attendant, to second in command of the Pharaoh in Egypt, he had a lot of positions. And each one of them prepared him for the next one. And don't you know each one of them gave him a heart for other people. As I was watching, um, there's a movie, it's very old y'all, but there was a movie about Jessica, baby Jessica. And I went back and we just wanted to watch it to remember everything. And now I have an 18 month old grandbaby. It was very hard to watch. When you have someone in your life that you love deeply and you see a correlation with it, you feel differently. And I think that's what happened with Joseph. Because he had been in prison, he had been a prisoner, he knew how to relate to prisoners. He had been a slave. He knew how to relate to people who were in slavery of whatever it might be. It might be an addiction. It might be a whole lot of different things, but now he lived it. So he knew how to help people. So maybe God's doing that in your life. And just maybe this trial he sent you is meant to mature you and to develop you and to someone that he wants you to be. That's a hard one, isn't it? To know he's gonna rub some edges off. He's going to show you some things about yourself that he wants to make more like him. Maybe, you're, maybe you have a short fuse. Maybe you haven't been as kind to your neighbors as you should be. It could be a plethora of things. Whatever it is, you know that thing in your head. And I want you now to start telling God, okay, whatever it is, God, I'm on it. I wanna be your girl. I wanna be your guy. I wanna be the one that you use to do mighty things in our world. The challenges that we face aren't random. Sometimes I think it's an accident or that, you know, I just went through this difficulty, but God chose it. God knew this was the specific thing for you that was gonna teach you the most, that was gonna help you with the place he wants you to go. This, was, this is specifically the knowledge or the empathy or something that you needed to gain to get stronger. So he wants you ready for the next promotion. And that's what Joseph did. He didn't get stuck. He could have said, hey, I'm a slave. I'm always a slave. I'm always gonna be a slave. I'm in this prison. I'm not gonna tell anybody's dreams. I'm stuck here, but he didn't. He said, okay, God, I'm in prison for years. This isn't good, but how do you wanna use me here? I'm up for it. I'll do it. Use me whatever situation you want. He was open to it and God did use him. I think also our test may not be as dramatic as Joseph's, right? He was put in prison for something he didn't do but he continued to do the right thing. And God wants us to continue to do the right thing, to do the thing that he's called us to do. He's raising up guys and girls. He wants an army that will stand up against just the bad things going on in our world right now, that they will say, hey, not under my watch. I'm not gonna watch somebody hurt their children. I'm not gonna watch somebody um, destroy our neighborhood. I'm not even sure what all it might be, but God's looking to raise up guys and girls to make a difference. I'm in. I'm in. I hope you're in with me. I hope 
that at the end of today, as you leave on your ride home, that you can say, God, yes, use me. I want to be a vehicle to change the world, whatever it might look like. And my little space, my little orbit takes all of us collectively to make a change. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the lessons you've taught us through Joseph's life. God, encourage us today to seek you and your plans in our lives. Help us to trust you in every situation that comes, Lord, and just keep us mindful that you are always in control. It may not look like it, but you are. You are on the throne and you are ready to help us. Thank you for loving us enough to not give us what we want, but really what we need. And if any of my friends here have not accepted you as their Lord and Savior, I pray today's the day. That's what they need the very most is to have Jesus in their heart and in their lives to help them do all the things that we talked about today because without the Holy Spirit living in our lives, God within us, we don't have the capability to do what you've called us to do, Lord. So if there's anyone here who's not prayed the prayer, I pray they'll pray it with me right now, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Lord, just thank you that you were buried, you rose again three days later. I believe it, Lord. And I want you to come in and be the Lord of my life. Scripture says, if we do that, Romans 10, 9 says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. Stir in our hearts, Lord. If we don't know you, stir in our hearts till we do. If we're not following you, stir in our hearts till we do. If we see unrighteousness around us, help us be the righteousness just next to it, Lord. I pray you'll continue to mold us into your creation, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.